Make God's word the standard for your life. The glory of God in the face of Christ is an open field for every willing heart to participate in the divine life produced by the death and resurrection power of Jesus. 1 John 2.6 says, He who abides in him ought to himself walk also as he walked. The world around you may say that's impossible, but by understanding the divine life and yielding to the Holy Spirit daily, he'll help us to live as Christ did. Adonai desires to make the humankind more like Christ. It's not an event, it's a daily walk. Are you willing? Let's listen to today's message. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is not a question that when asked calls for the clergy to give the answer, even though that is important. But it's, it's a basic question that every believer in their life should be able to answer. Who is Jesus to you? Who is the Jesus that you're following? Who is the Jesus that you've believed in or you're believing in? And when I think about this question, I imagine myself walking on the street, especially here in China, walking on the streets, but someone genuinely stopping to ask me, hey, are you Christian? Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus that you worship, that you've given your life to, that you believe in? And that would not be the time for me to Google. <laughs> if someone could stop and ask me, a question like that, they certainly won't settle for me reading somebody's blog post to them. That hey, hold on, let me just search on the internet and tell you who Jesus is. That would be very shameful to me. And so it's it's a question that the answer can only and only be given out of my walk with God. I ought to be able to give an answer directly from the bowels of my spirit who Jesus is to me, at least as I've experienced him and as I've learned his, of his truth, as Peter writes that we should be always willing and ready to give a reason for the hope or the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's an important question that every believer would have to answer for themselves. And if you've never thought about it, you should think about it and answer it for yourself. Who is Jesus? Now in history, kings, queens, leaders have wielded empires, have formed kingdoms by brutal means, by conquest, by suppression. But Jesus, his kingdom is founded on love. He is the kind of king who forms his own kingdom with his own blood. In other words, in his kingdom, it is not like the kingdoms of the world that we know. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, the Bible says that with his own blood, he entered once into the holy place and made sacrifice. And through that, we have our redemption one time. So he's, he's, he's the one whose kingdom is founded on love. He's the one who demands the human heart unconditionally and suddenly it's it's given to him jesus never forces anyone to give their lives to him he he comes as calm as the dove and he demands the human heart unconditionally like a child and those who understand him suddenly give him their hearts willingly and that is the kind of king that i'm talking about here who is jesus to me I want to look at his birth. He is, he's the one whose birth was foretold. Everything surrounding his birth is as divine as he is. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says that, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And Isaiah says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus, he is the Everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. He is the Father in eternities. 
long before the worlds were made, long before every single thing in the universe was made, he was. And the Bible says that he was born of the Virgin Mary. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a child and call his name Emmanuel. And he says, Curse and honey shall he eat, that he may know to reject the evil and to choose the good. God did this miracle. And it has baffled human minds even till now. Even now that women are still able to freeze their eggs, women are able to get pregnant without a man and do all that, it still doesn't make sense. But that is the wisdom of God. Paul says even the foolishness of God is better than the wisdom of men. So his conception is strange. The Bible says that when the fullness of time had come, Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law unto adoption as sons. And Paul says, and because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, crying, Abba, Father. And he says, therefore, you are no longer a slave by the son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So when, when the fullness of time had come, God did this. The Bible said the power of the Most High overshadowed Mary. She conceived and had the baby Jesus. Now, before Jesus became the Word in the flesh, where was he? Where was my Lord before he was born by Mary? The first revelation of Jesus in the Bible is that he is the Word. See, when, when, when I think of Jesus, I do not merely think of a certain Middle Eastern man who walked for 30 plus years. No. The first revelation that the Bible gives about Jesus is that he is the word. Christ is revealed in the Bible as the word. Now in Micah chapter 5, from verse 2, the Bible says that, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me the one to be ruler in Israel, the one whose goings forth, the King James says, the one whose coming unto us is from everlasting, from of old. So his coming unto us is from ancient. What am I trying to say? Jesus had been coming unto us before he came as the man Jesus that we know in history. Christ had been coming unto men long before he came because the first revelation of Christ Jesus is that he is the word. Let's, let's read from scripture. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, 6 and 7, the Bible says that this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is a spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. And then in verse seven, it says that, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, and the spirit. So long before everything was made, Jesus is known as the word. And John says in heaven, there are three that bear witness. And these three are in agreement. So we have the Father and the Word and the Spirit. And these three are in agreement. And he says on earth, there are three that bear witness. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Word is unto us both water and blood. Because John said, this is he who came, not only by water, but by water and the blood. What does it mean? See, the blood of Christ speaks to the sinful nature of man. The blood is that which wipes away the sins of men. But the water is that which wipes away the natural life of men. So we are redeemed by the blood of the word, but we are also washed by the water of the word. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. So 
the blood deals with my sins and the word, the water, which is actually the life of the word, the life in the word deals with my natural being, my natural nature. So yes, the blood of Christ has forgiven my sins. I am born again. I'm a Christian. But Jesus did not only come by blood. John says, no, no, no. He came in two folds. He did not only come by blood. He says he came by water and by blood. So the water deals with my natural life. It deals with my natural will to do that which I please. After I'm forgiven, he does not just leave me there. No, he also washes me with the word. He washes me constantly with the word. Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ washes the church with water, which is the word, Paul says, to do what? To take away my natural life, to do away with my natural life, to do away with my will, such that I would live the spirit life. And that's how powerful Jesus is. He's not just, he's not the one who just forgives my sins. He does more than that. So the personality, the deity of Jesus is bigger than a God who forgives my sins. No, it's, he's a God who takes interest in what I'm becoming. He's a God who says, I've forgiven you and I'm washing you with my word. So daily as I rise up from bed, as I commune with him in his word, as I eat his word, as I study his word, what does it do? It washes me from the natural life that is in me. And then the newness of his life that sprung up in his resurrection becomes my reality. It is not just a knowledge that I know. It is not just something I know that Christ died for me to have a new life. No, no, no. It's more than just knowing. It's, it's a becoming. It's a reality. And that is the nature of Jesus. So Christ is first revealed as the word. What is a word? The word is the definition or the expression or the explanation of something. It's that which defines a thing. It's that which explains a thing. So Jesus is a definition of God. Jesus is he who comes to explain who God is. Jesus is he who comes to reveal who God is. And the deeper meaning of that is that he is God. Because who has known the mind of God? Who, who has been the counselor of God? Who has revealed who God is except God himself? In John chapter 1, verse 1, John said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with Him from the beginning. And He said, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And John said, In Him is life, and the life is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So He is the Word that was with the Father from the beginning. And John wrote again in 1 John chapter 1, from verse 1, He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, which we have handled that life of God that was revealed. We have seen it. We bear witness and we declare that word to you. And he said, we declare the word to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Christ Jesus. And he says, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So John was writing to his audience in First John, and he said, Look, we have seen that word, that word that was with the Father. We, we, we have beheld him. We have looked upon him. We have handled him. And we have fellowship with him. And the, the reason why we are writing all these things to you is that you also would have fellowship with us. And he said, but really not with us, because actually our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Christ Jesus. That is the kind of fellowship we want you to have. And he says, we write these things to you so that your joy will be full, so that your joy will be complete in him. And that is the word. So Jesus is the word. Scripture makes it clear 
that he is the word. Thank you for tuning in to The Glory Field. If this message edified you, please make a personal commitment to act on it. Prioritize building a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit and never neglect prayer. He's ever willing to indwell you and make you more like Christ. We encourage you to find a community of believers who also desire to be like Christ. God's faithful. He'll order your steps in righteousness. We love you and we agree in prayer with you to be obedient to Christ Jesus. Find us on the Gloryfield podcast on all podcast platforms to hear this or any other message from my husband, Thomas. You can also send us an email at mygloryfield at gmail.com or give us a call on 781-975-3302.